Section 8 of The Secret of Casa Grande by Helen Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mary Scano. The Senor's Library. In spite of all the ointment and salve Joanne had applied to her face, neck, and arms, she spent a restless night. By morning, some of the soreness had disappeared, but her appearance was not much improved. Before venturing out of her room, she carefully put on some makeup and viewed the effect critically in the mirror. I may be able to cover up my sunburn from the servants, but not from Dr. Blackwell, she told herself. His trained eyes will be sure to penetrate my mask in the daylight. Here's hoping he doesn't eat lunch with us today. Florence says he's nearly always late. To her inward consternation, no sooner had she stepped into the hall than she saw Dr. Blackwell coming toward her. Immediately, she slowed her steps. If he comes any closer, I'm sunk, even if this hall is dark. The next moment, Dr. Blackwell called a cheerful, Good morning, to her, and disappeared into his office. Joanne smiled in relief as she thought whimsically. A guilty conscience is certainly a bad companion. As on the previous morning, she and Peggy went with Florence to market, and, as before, she made only one purchase. This time, it was a roll of very slender but strong hand-twisted rope. Now what are you going to do with that heavy cord? Peggy promptly asked. Use it to conceal that big rope that I left hanging from the roof. Use a string to conceal a heavy rope? Peggy asked in amazement. Ha! The magician! She added mockingly. Don't be silly, Peg. There's nothing mysterious about it. I've got to do something with that big rope before anyone sees it. Peggy shook her head dubiously. Well, I hope you know what you're talking about. I don't. Here comes Florence. She must be ready to leave. And the faithful watchdog following as usual. You know, I believe he's getting suspicious. Several times I've noticed him looking at me with the queerest expression. You know, Florence said he never misses a thing. He's probably wondering what you've done to your face. On reaching home, the girls found breakfast waiting. But Joanne could scarcely eat in her eagerness to get to the balcony before Felipe cleaned the office. While Florence went to the kitchen to discuss menus with Juana, Joanne and Peggy slipped to the balcony. The rope, they found, was hanging just as they had left it the day before, and while not very conspicuous against the dull gray color of the wall, Joanne felt that it ought to be put completely out of sight. As she studied the wall, she unwound the roll of heavy cord she had bought earlier in the morning. Look down the street, Peg, she ordered. Do you see anybody? No, it seems practically deserted right now, Peggy replied. Why? I have to climb part way up that rope again, and I don't want any spectators, she explained while fastening the cord to the end of the rope. If you see anybody coming, let me know. All right. As soon as she began climbing up the rope, Joanne realized how sore her muscles were from the unusual strain she had put upon them the day before. Would she be able to make it to the top? She wondered. I've got to do it, she told herself the next moment tightening her lips into a firm line. Inch by inch, she pulled herself up, slipping the cord through each of the loops in the rope as she went. On reaching the roof, 
she found it extremely difficult to steady herself while passing the cord through the highest loops but as she was determined to pull the rope up as high as possible she kept on trying having succeeded at last in getting it through the loop at the roof's edge she took the end of the cord between her teeth and began to slip slowly down the rope when she was a little over halfway peggy suddenly cried hurry joe there come some people i believe they see you they're looking this way hurry instinctively joanne turned her head to see the people as she did so her elbow scraped the rough plastered wall a sharp pain instantly shot through her arm and slightly loosening her hold on the rope she slipped rapidly to the floor how silly of me to do that she grumbled examining her arm her sleeve she saw was torn and blood was running from a place where the skin had been scraped off it looks as if i'll have to pack in cotton wool to keep from getting hurt but this is not finishing my work and felipe may come out here any minute hurriedly she searched for an inconspicuous place to fasten the end of the cord finally noticing the hand wrought hinge on the door she decided that this offered a good hiding place she began at once to wind the cord into a small tight ball but as she pulled the end of the cord the heavy rope attached to it started to crawl snake-like up the wall when at last the rope hung in several long loops at the edge of the roof she fastened the cord to the door hinge and jammed the ball into the crack above that'll be all right as long as the door isn't closed she said and it seldom is at least it hasn't been closed since we've been here it doesn't show much from here and it can't be seen from inside of the office leaning against the balcony rail she and peggy surveyed the wall approvingly the string was almost invisible and the loops of rope at the top were scarcely noticeable so high were they above the street no one would ever see that unless they were looking for it agreed peggy but how are you going to get it down didn't you say you were going back up there sure i am but that's simple enough joanne replied when i loosen the string the rope is heavy enough to drop down of its own accord hearing a sudden noise behind them just then they started guiltily there stood felipe in the doorway immediately joanne wondered how long he had been there and how much he had seen i'm glad he couldn't understand what we were talking about she said to peggy he's the perfect watchdog all right smiling now as they realized how nearly they had come to giving themselves away they strolled nonchalantly around the balcony and entered the room from the farther side you want to clean the room joanne asked pointing to the broom and mop felipe grinned and nodded his head si senorita while not understanding the exact words he had understood their meaning could peggy and joanne have seen him a few minutes later they would have been very much amused and not a little worried the minute they were out of sight he stepped out of the balcony and stood gazing up and down the street then turned and searched the balcony but in vain muy curioso las americanas very curious these americans he muttered shaking his head after the injured arm had been bandaged with peggy's assistance the girls wandered to the back of the house in search of florence finding her in the kitchen in the middle of baking a cake they stayed to help her to joanne's relief dr blackwell did not appear at lunch but when he came in an hour later 
she happened to be passing through the hall. On seeing her, Dr. Blackwell stopped to call to her that he had met Signor Rodriguez and that the Signor had sent a special invitation to her and the other girls to visit his library that afternoon. Does that conflict with your plans? he asked. Not at all, Joanne answered quickly, forgetting all about her sunburned face. I've wanted to meet Senor Rodriguez and talk to him ever since you told me about his library. Maybe I can find out more about your house and the old church this afternoon. The moment Dr. Blackwell left, she remembered her previous anxiety about his seeing her sunburned face. Forgot all about my face, <laughs> she smiled to herself. Well, I'm going to Senor Rodriguez's this afternoon, sunburn or no sunburn. Surely, in such a fine library as his, I can get some information that'll help me find out more about this house, especially about that mysterious window. When, after the siesta, the girls began getting ready to go to Senor Rodriguez's, Peggy applied cream and powder to Joanne's face with the most painstaking care. I believe I'll start a beauty shop, she declared as she stood back and gazed approvingly at Joanne's face. You actually look pretty now, Joanne grinned. Only a real artist could have performed that miracle. I don't care much about the pretty part, though. All I want is to pass muster under Dr. Blackwell's inspection. You will, don't worry. Dressed in fresh, dainty frocks, the three girls were waiting on the balcony when Dr. Blackwell drove up in the car to take them to Senor Rodriguez's. Since Florence had told her about the Senor's beautiful patio, Joanne gazed eagerly about when they entered the cool, spacious corridor of his house. The mosaic tiles of the floor seemed to her to reflect all the bright colors of the flowers in the beds beyond, and of the potted plants clustered about the stone pillars which supported the graceful arches of the court. The servant immediately ushered them into the sala, or drawing room, a room of immense size and well-proportioned lines. Several large mirrors in heavy gold-leaf frames, she noted, filled much of the wall space and gave the room the appearance of even greater size. The full-length double windows next caught and held her attention, curtained as they were with exquisite handmade lace which contrasted strangely with the iron bars. The next moment, their host and his wife entered. Senor Rodriguez, short, plump, and motherly, and the senor, tall and distinguished-looking. At first glance, Joanne's hopes sank. How could she ask this austere, dignified gentleman all of the questions which had been uppermost in her mind? Was the visit she had looked forward to with so much pleasure going to be in vain? Since introductions were in Spanish, she felt a little ill at ease, all the more so when she saw Senora Rodriguez kiss Florence, first on one cheek, then on the other, and pat her on the back. If she kisses and pats me that enthusiastically on my sunburned skin, I'll be sure to flinch, she told herself. The next moment, Senor Rodriguez turned to her and, smiling, asked in broken English, Are you the young lady who speaks this Spanish? Oh, no, Senor, I can't speak Spanish, she answered timidly. El doctor say you have studied the Spanish, he insisted. Si, sí, senor, I studied Spanish two years, she replied, but I speak very little. Ah, my dear young lady, 
he said pleasantly. If you do not try, how can you learn? You must speak to me in the Spanish. You see, my English very bad. I am too old to learn the English now. Oh, no, senor, quickly replied Joanne. You speak very good English, much better English than I do Spanish. Gracias, senorita, he replied, smiling. But how can I know? You have not speak the Spanish. My son, Joaquin, speak the English perfectly. I send him to college in the States. You know, Harvard. I think you call it? He asked, pronouncing it Harvard, since the H is always silent in Spanish. Oh, yes, indeed. I know Harvard. It is a college of very high standing. Does he like it there? See, si, he likes it very much. This year he finished. Then he come home, and I take him in the office with me. If he was here now, he could help you. The doctors say you are interested in the history of my city. Si, senor, I am, she answered quickly. I want to find out all I can about that old church across the street from Dr. Blackwell's house. Both it and the house are so old. I feel sure there must be some very interesting things connected with them. I think you are right, and I shall be very happy to assist you, he offered. We feel proud to think you are interested in our city. Did you not want some books? I'd like to see some that contain old records and accounts of the early history of the city, about the time that church was built. If you come this way, please, he said, bowing. We shall see what we can find. By this time, Joanne had completely forgotten the feeling of doubt and awe she had felt at first. The senor was a very gracious host and had not laughed at her strange idea. Eagerly, she followed him across the hall to a room only slightly smaller than the drawing room. Bookshelves lined most of the wall space, and a long table and several chairs were the only furniture. It's definitely a man's room, she thought, restful, quiet, just a kind of a room in which to study. Soon, she and the senor were oblivious of everything. They had something in common, books, even if they were in Spanish. In a short time, they were chatting pleasantly, unconsciously using a mixture of English and Spanish. Together, they searched old books and records, laying aside several for her to take home so that she might study them at her leisure. In the meantime, Senora Rodriguez had taken the other guests to the patio to see her flowers, and after about half an hour, she came to the library door and called softly to her husband. Papa, you must not keep the young lady here so long. She will get tired. Addressing Joanne, she asked, Perhaps you like to see my flowers, eh? I'd love to, replied Joanne, unconscious of having spoken in Spanish. We have the merienda first, then I show you the flowers, she said, leading Joanne to where the girls and Dr. Blackwell were seated in the cool, pleasant court beside the flower garden. What could be more beautiful and restful, Joanne thought, as she gazed across the patio with its stuccoed wall overhung with flowering vines, its fountain tossing sparkling sprays of water into the sunshine, and its roses, jasmine, and orange blossoms filling the air with their mingled fragrance. By this time, the servants had noiselessly brought in 
the refreshments and placed them on an exquisitely inlaid tea table while senora rodriguez passed rich little cakes and sweet buns with squares of jalea a stiff jelly the servants served thick black coffee and delicious rich chocolate beaten to a froth joe isn't this simply gorgeous sighed peggy happily i've never enjoyed anything more in my life joanne nodded an emphatic assent adding and i've never seen such a beautiful patio before after senora rodriguez had proudly shown joanne her flowers dr blackwell announced that he had several calls yet to make and that they would have to leave silently the girls rose to go with true mexican courtesy senora rodriguez loaded them down with flowers and kissed each girl on both cheeks but to joanne's relief there was no patting on the back laden with books and flowers they drove home through the soft tropical twilight peggy and joanne completely charmed by the dignity and friendliness of the rodriguez family i've never met finer people declared joanne enthusiastically to florence on their way home i admit i was a little afraid of the senor at first he was so tall and dignified but i forgot all about that when i talked to him a few minutes it's easy to understand why he's such a good lawyer isn't it yes he's a very remarkable man agreed florence i was sure you would enjoy meeting him and his wife by the way joe did you get any information this afternoon that will help you yes i found out several things she replied from the old records we found that the city was founded in fifteen sixty the senor said that the old mexican towns were always built around the church that and the plaza formed the hub around which the city grew if that's the case then it is possible that the church was built even earlier than fifteen sixty before the founding of the city you mean that the church is three no four hundred years old exclaimed peggy yes and since florence's house is between it and the plaza it was built at the same time or before it seemed to be the very center of the hub i'm more convinced than ever that its history is in some way connected with that of the church after dr blackwell had gone on his calls and florence and peggy were chatting together joanne studied the books she had brought home page after page she read slowly and with much difficulty about the aztecs and the coming of cortez of the growth of the spanish territory until it reached from ocean to ocean and from panama to vancouver island on the north about hidalgo morelos and general iturbide of rebellions and civil wars the wars might explain the reason for these thick walls she mused they always used the church as a place of refuge perhaps this house was used for the same purpose to her disappointment however she could find no reference to either the house or the church in the books she threw down the books at last exclaiming it'll take me ages to get much help from these it's worse than hunting a needle in a haystack in spanish they go all around the bush before coming to the point and while it's beautiful to read it's difficult to find what you want calm yourself my dear calm yourself said the astonished peggy you've been talking for days about these books and now that you have them you go all up in the air what a changeable person you are i'm not changeable 
I'm glad I have the books, and I'm going to study them. Very carefully, too, but I can't stand the suspense any longer. I want to find out something definitely about this house right now. I know exactly how to get the information I want, and I'm going to get it. Maybe tomorrow. I'm almost tempted to do it this very evening. What are you talking about? cried Florence, alarmed by the determined expression on Joanne's face. What wild thing are you planning to do? End of Section 8 Recording by Mary Scano.